Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Christmas is the time of slurpiitis. Slurpiitis is a condition that hits most uh, Australians at this time of year. I suffer from it. It's when you drink a slurpee and you manage to suck all the sweet stuff out of it and leave all the ice behind. Has anyone suffered from slurpiitis? Yeah. You see, the challenge is we tend to do that with the message of Christmas, not just the slurpees. Uh, We suck all the sweet stuff out of Christmas and we leave a bit of the substance behind. We can forget a bit of the substance. So what I mean by that is we talk about faith and hope and we've been talking about peace in a roundabout way in this new series called Christmas Crisis. We've actually been talking about peace, but the challenge that we've got with peace at the moment is how the heck do we have peace when there's so much happening in the world? Terrorism and relationships are tearing themselves apart. Families can't stick together. Maybe you're walking into a family situation this Christmas where you know it's just going to be tense. You're going to need a miracle of God to keep the peace in your family situation. How do we get that? How do we keep that? And so instead of, I guess, going for the slurpy-itis and talking about the sweet stuff, maybe we just deal, call a spade a spade and deal with the real stuff. And so last week we looked at the question that many of your friends and my friends have got at this time of year when we're talking about peace as preachers. They say, well, doesn't religion kill the peace? And our answer to that was Billy Joel style. Well, no, we didn't start the fire. It was always burning while the world was turning. And we looked at the fact that it's a yes and no answer. On one hand, yes, religion does divide. But on the other hand, there has been conflict and a lack of peace happening way before this little baby was born out of this passage. So we also realize that there is conflict in the world happening and it's really tough for us to do something about it, right? That there are so many different things happening in the world that it seems as if peace is just going to elude us. And then that leads us to tonight's question that many of our friends might ask or say when they hear passages like from Isaiah, oh, the wonderful counselor, the mighty prince of peace. They say, oh, if Jesus was here to bring peace, if If the world's almost shot, if we could leave the world behind, maybe, just maybe, Jesus has come, has Jesus come to bring us an inner peace? Ever thought that way? People might think Christianity's a bit like that. It's, it's, oh, Jesus has come to bring us an inner peace. But what I want to show you tonight is yes and no again. He's come to bring us peace, but it's not the sort of inner peace that we're thinking about. It's a, it's a conflicting peace. It's a combative peace. It's a, it's, it's a warlike peace. It's a wrestling peace. It's not peace as you and I know it. And we see this straight up in this passage. This is what I said. This is slurpiitis. We, we get to this passage here and we see it's not quite like what we thought. And then Simeon blessed them and said to his, Mary, his mother, This child is destined to call the falling and rising of many in Israel and a sign that will be spoken against. Can you imagine saying that to a new mum? She's just cradling the baby, got him, got him wrapped up. And you, you walk into the hospital room, like Simeon there, and says, oh, what a beautiful baby. Yeah, this, this, this guy's come to, he's going he's gonna to divide the world. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful thing to say. It's, it's hard. So you see, see how easy it is to skip over this stuff with the funny biblical language? You take your kid up to get presented at the temple, it'd be nice. Oh, he looks cute. That would have been a good start. Not this, <laughs> this guy's going to divide the world. Here's the reason why Jesus' peace that he brings is a polarizing peace. I, you know, I reckon Jesus, if he was, 
if he was here in the flesh today, I reckon he would be the world's best big brother contestant, don't you? I reckon the good big brother contestants, they're polarizing, aren't you? Like that, what's her name? Anna Marie? Sarah, Sarah Marie? Is it Sarah Marie? The one with the bunny ears and stuff, right? The original one. A good big brother contestant, you either love them or you can't stand them. And what you see with Jesus Christ, if you get the real Jesus, if you're seeing him this Christmas in the real way, he throws you to either ends of that spectrum. You either love him or you can't stand him. And there's no standing in the middle with him. And here's why. Because there's an overwhelming, on one hand, there's an overwhelming repulsion to his claims, but then there's an overwhelming attractiveness about the guy. He's the guy that you just are a bit conflicted with. You almost love to hate the guy. If that makes sense, and hopefully that will make sense by what I'm saying. He's a complex guy. There's a repulsion and attraction. See, first of all, the repulsion in Jesus, why people can't stand him initially is because, dare I say it any other way, there's almost a self-centeredness about Jesus. That there is, There's a meanness about Jesus. There's just, he, he comes in and he makes these audacious claims. That when you look at the, the three wise Men, that they come to visit Jesus because they believe that, that they've come to hail the king. The three wise men didn't travel across going, I heard there's a new self-help guru in town. <laughs> or that there's someone that's going to help me deal with my perplexed emotions. No, they came down to worship this baby king, Jesus. And then you, Jesus grows up and he, he makes these claims. I'm here to be, I'm here to be your king. There's this song that we always sing in Northside here, right? That says he's either king of all or he's not king at all. That's polarizing. There's no, there's no in-between in that song. And that is a radically repulsive claim for someone to hear. It's wonderfully polarizing. Because it's like look, if someone comes up to you in the school playground and says, I own you, as they might have done in your earlier days. Look, there's only two ways you go about it. You either comply or you deny. You either comply or you either submit to them or you tell them to go away. And yet, you know, there are so many people today who, you know, they don't want to be, they don't want to be polarized by Jesus. Have you noticed that? They can be Christians too, but we, we don't want to be polarized by him. And I tell you how you don't get polarized by Jesus. You intellectualize him. I think, I think the average person, Christian and non-Christian, they're trying so hard to stand in the middle with Jesus. And so what they do is they come in and they take this book and they take his teachings and they go, oh, he's, what, what one, blessed, blessed are the peacemakers. Oh, that's beautiful. That's nice. That's gorgeous. Come, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. Oh, it's sweet. It's beautiful. <laughs> Right, we 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 intele- we intellectualize him. We 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 say, oh, he, he, it's just just wonderful, beautiful teaching. But whenever I read the Bible, I don't know about you, but like the guy's just walked on water, or he's raised a dude from the dead. I hardly think the people around him are saying, mm, I wonder what he really means by that in his teaching. No, no, no. They're saying this: Who is this guy? Who is this guy? You go through, you read through the Gospel of Mark, you don't get philosophical, philosophical discussions about this guy's teaching. He's always saying, who do you think I am? Who do you say I am? Who do you think I am? They're saying, who is this guy? Who is he? Who is he? Who is he? He's either the king of all or he's not king at all. There's no middle ground with this guy. And that's why he can be so 
repulsive because we try and intellectualize him. But he doesn't allow us to do that. He says, I'm king, I'm the Messiah, I'm the one that's come to save the world. Now, look, lots of people would say, well, yeah, there have been lots of people throughout the world that have said, oh, I'm the Messiah, I've, I've come here to save the world. What makes Jesus any different than them? Now, look, there's been scores of them, we know that, but we've never heard of them. And the question is, why have we never heard of them? Um, because all but a tiny few people, those are ones who are just pathological and half insane, they're the ones that stuck with them, but everyone else just laughed at them <laughs> and just let them go on their way. So on one hand, Jesus is repulsive, but in the case of Jesus, here's the thing. Nobody laughed him off. And you want to know the proof? We're here. We're here, aren't we? Christianity took off some, somehow. No one, no one laughed this crazy guy off. And by the way, part of the reason is it was widows and it was lepers and it was the sick and it was those that were different, not the religious types, the prostitutes, all of those people that loved being around him. And it's people like that that, that have their bso meter, if I could use that phrase. I can translate for you after the service. right? But I reckon we Aussies, we're, we're really good at picking BS when it comes to religious types, right? And so on one hand, yeah, there's this self-centeredness about Jesus. But there's not a phony self-centeredness about him. In fact, here's, here's a guy who, who has a self-centeredness about him, but he's not arrogant. Completely consumed with himself and what he's saying, but so others focused. And only in Jesus do you have this person who is wise and is humble and is caring and is beautiful and is attractive. And people stay around him. And so I find with, with people, you can, you can have people who have, they've got great lives like this. They've, they've, got, they've got great lives, wonderful, beautiful lives, but they don't have great claims. And so you, you can admire them because they're big lives, but not great claims. And then you've got the crazies on the other side who've got the big audacious claims, but they don't live the great lives, and so you, the, B, the BS meter starts to go out. But when we see Jesus, he combines both. And suddenly you've got a great life with the most ridiculously audacious claims, I've come to be your king, I've come to show you how to live, I've come for supreme ascendancy in your life, and he does both. And so it's really hard, it's really hard to laugh him off because he had the great life, and, but then what is really, really hard is when you come to his claims, I'm either king of all or I'm not king at all. You see how that's polarizing? So it's, it's a polarizing piece. And so that's how you know that you've seen the real Jesus is Christmas. You're not just sucking the Slurpee. First question for you is whether you're Christian, non-Christian tonight, has he polarized you? Has he thrown you off center? Has he... He's rattled you a little bit because un until you see the real Jesus, or if you put it the other way, if you haven't been rattled, you're not seeing the real Jesus. He rattles you. He, he pushes into you. As John Stott, a great Christian writer, once said, no one ever responded moderately to Jesus. Whenever you see people responding to Jesus, they're either running away from him in terror, they were running at him trying to assault him, or they fell at his feet and worshipped him. But no one ever responded moderately to him. And so that's the question. If you're responding moderately, then maybe you're not seeing him tonight. And 
But then on the other hand, if, if, you, if you are getting a bit rattled by him, a bit polarized by him, then you're saying, well, how do I, how do I get the peace that Jesus offers us, this inner peace? It's an inner peace, right? And I go, no, no, it's not. It's different. It's, um, it's, it's a different type of peace. It's a combative peace. It's a warlike peace. We see in verse 35 here, Luke chapter 2, wonderful words to a new mum. And so he comes so that the words of many hearts will be revealed. And mum, by the way, a sword will pierce your own soul too. Wow. Comforting words. <laughs> the hearts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul. What he's saying is there that Jesus is not only a polarizing, brings not only a polarizing peace, but a peace that only comes through in a crisis. Remember how I always say, you know, Christianity is a bar fight? It, like before you know God, you're fighting on the outside and it's quite visible and it's quite obvious. But when you become a Christian, the fight just goes on the inside of the pub and people can't see it, but there's a fight going on. Romans chapter 7 style the things I want to do, I'm not doing, and the things I am doing, I don't want to do. It's a bar fight. So uh, Christianity is a fight, and, and there's a couple of crises that has to happen for you to get the peace of Jesus. Here's the first one quickly it's the crisis of repentance. Uh, if, if, you, if you get what Jesus is saying, and if you get that all that we've talked about last week, that the message of Christmas is that we didn't start the fire, there's always been conflict, and that God had to punch you a hole through the top of the world and come here in the person of Jesus to start put the fire out, and it's not out yet, but he will put it out one day, and he calls us to help put the fire out, but basically we can't save ourselves, that's the message of Christmas. If you start to get that, you start to see that, then it has to lead you to the conclusion, then maybe, maybe I don't know how to run the world. <laughs> maybe I don't even know how to run my own life. Now, if, if, you're, willing to, if you're willing to call a spade a spade and, and say that maybe you're thinking that, then guess what? You're on the first step to Repentance. Repentance, we've mucked up the definition of repentance in the church for so many years. People think repentance is what you've got to do a 180. I always got told, the good Anglican boy, you know, I was doing a, repentance was a 180. The people think all the, all the crazy stuff, you know, I was going to the nightclub on Friday, but I only go to church now on Sundays. You know, that, that somehow all of life has got to totally change. No, that's not repentance. When Jesus talks about repentance, it's the Greek word metanoiete. It means simply to think about your thinking. To think of, in light of this, if God is, in, in light of all of this message of Christmas in the baby, maybe I'm not God. Maybe I don't know how to run my life. Repentance is God saying, How's that working for you? <laughs> That's what repentance is. It's thinking about, you think it's just saying, thinking about your life. Strategy and guess what? When you do that, it's like it's like putting betadine. Remember that funny stuff that your parents would give you? It's like putting betadine in a wound. You know how it sting like crazy? Repentance is like a sting, like betadine that it, it stings a wound, but you know it's like a healthy sting because if you just grit and bear it, it's just then things will calm and you know that you're being healed. That's what repentance does to the soul. I, I put. I, Showed, I'll show you another way quickly. I was watching uh, the Graham Norton show the other week, one of my faves. And um, there's this fascinating scene where they got a whole bunch of Adele 
impersonators. I don't know if anyone's seen this, but they got a whole bunch of Adele impersonators and they dressed the British singer Adele, who's one of the greatest singers in the UK at the moment, if not the world. And they dressed her up and they disguised her so she didn't look the same and they were auditioning as Adele impersonators. And so you're watching all these different impersonators go through and then Adele eventually, they don't know it's her, she eventually comes out and she starts to sing. And you, you watch these women start to do a double take and and then no 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 can't be it can't be it can't be and then and then it clicks like the voice is too clear they they know it has to be her and it finally clicks and she smiles and they get it and the most marvelous thing about the whole thing was the first thing watching their faces when they realized as an Adele impersonator that they're actually in the presence of the real Adele (laughs) this you can sort of imagine it this this heart-sinking, almost terrifying feeling that I've just been up there trying to impersonate this lady. She's been watching the whole lot and I'm not the real deal. But the most, the most wonderful piece was it that as they became transfixed on her and in her gentle smile as she was singing to them all down on, on the chairs there, the, the most beautiful thing of all is as they then focused on her and get caught up on it and as they started singing with her, they start singing with her and it's as if the power and the beauty of her voice mingles with their voices and their voice is swallowed up into, the, into her voice and they almost sing as if they are Adele. And now, now that, that sting of, of being found out melts and gives way to the fact that they're in the presence of the real deal. That's what repentance is. Repentance is being found out that you're an imposter. You've been trying to run your own life. You don't know how to do it. It's working reasonably well. They sounded pretty, pretty like Adele, but they, they weren't the real deal. And then repentance is when you're in the, in the presence of, of, of the real deal. The joy and the beauty and wonder is, is your life is swept up into his life and his voice. And you just enjoy the moment. You have to go through that sort of crisis if you want the peace of Jesus the crisis of repentance. So that stings. That stings. That's just the way it goes. But it's a healing sting. It's a healing crisis. The other crisis is the crisis of choice. Not only the, the personal crisis that Jesus brings in repentance, but the crisis of choice. You see, I was framing this up that the sort of peace Jesus brings is a conflicting peace. It's a wrestling peace. It's a dynamic peace. It's an alive peace. And it's a relative piece. It's relative because actually, you know, the more that you get to know Jesus, the more conflict that comes into your inner life. So can you see how I'm saying it's, it's not really the inner peace that we think it is? The, the more that you get to know Jesus, the more conflict that comes into your life. And you're thinking, conflict, how does that work? The crisis of choice in Jesus is a crisis of obedience. And see, when Jesus says, I'm either king of all or not king at all when Jesus says come follow me he doesn't mean you just accept his invitation of faith and then leave everything else at the door he means actually come walk as I walked and what that means that for every Christian there is always a crossroads to go am I going to go his way or am I going to go my way am I going to go his way or my way and that's what I loved uh, a couple of weeks ago hearing Kat uh, on our panel Remember, we were talking about the four chairs, and one of the great things that Kat had said was that being a new Christian of only six months in this place or so was that she realized there was that that wrestle that we all feel when the old life suddenly butts up against the new life that he calls us into. 
And can you see the principle that the more that you get to know Jesus, the more that Christianity is a bar fight. There's conflict. If, if, look, every choice is a conflict. Every choice is a conflict in the short run that eventually leads to a long run peace. I love ice cream. I love ice cream. And every time, it's going to happen tonight. If not at dinner, when I get home, there's going to be, there's going to be a choice that needs to be made. Either I'm going to eat more ice cream than I really should at the moment, or there's going to be a bit, little bit of a fight, a little bit of a wrestle, a bit of a conflict in me, and that, that choice to obedience in the short term is going to lead to long-run peace in and of myself. <laughs> well, they say minute on the lips, something on the hips. Forever on the hips, all right. Forever on the hips, yeah. You get the point. You know, Jesus is saying, "Look, it's it's this it's it's one two different roads. Your your way or or my way." And the obedience to Jesus in the short run always leads to a conflict because that's what obedience is—to cut across your will. And so people say, "Oh, well, okay. You know, look at all this crisis that Jesus brings into my life. Uplifting message. Thanks, Sam." Um, how, do I, how do I get the peace? Is there an inner peace? Yes, there is, as we finish tonight. Look, if, 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 he's, if, if he's the one who has gone to the cross, if, he, if he's the one that's lived the perfect life, if he's the one that, as the carol says, God and sin is reconciled, if he's the one that's made us right with God, then here's the first peace that you can have tonight if you're a Christian. It's a peace of conscience. All the crap, all the junk, all the stupid stuff that you've done doesn't eat you anymore shouldn't eat you anymore it's been paid it's been done christianity is the only religion where you're going to work out what you're going to do when you realize you don't have to do anything at all it's for freedom that christ has set us free it's the only religion in the world that 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 means you can stare all of your junk in the face and say you matter you don't mean anything to me before as sarah in the great movie labyrinth once said you have no power over me okay it has no power over us. There's a great peace of conscience. The other quick one is the peace of identity. <laughs> when you get over trying to be the Adele impersonator and you start to sing with him and your voice is swallowed in his voice, the way that Paul says that, we've got a, that we are in Christ Jesus, that we are in him, that that is our new identity, that our life, Colossians 3, is hid with Christ in God. What he's really saying to us is it's like singing and your voice is now Adele's voice. That's what he really meant. <laughs> that, that the life and the voice of Jesus Christ is now your real life. When you've got that, then there's a new identity for you. you and here's the practical outworking of that. You're no longer having to prove yourself. You're no longer having to prove yourself to other people. <laughs> and most of all, you're not having to prove yourself to yourself. Remember that little inner murmur of self-reproach? I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not significant enough. I'm not lovable. When you have that identity in him, then you never, on one hand, you're never inflated way too much because you're always being humbled by your repentance. Uh, but on the other hand, you're not deflated because you have a new identity in him. You know, it's, it's, it's frightening. It's frightening for those if your security is in the stock market, watching that thing go up and down every single day. It's frightening if, if your significance and security is in a relationship and every wrong word spoken is a word that can sting your soul. It's worrying if, 
If your security and your wealth is tied up in your house and you're not sure if you can make the mortgage repayment this week. You see, when, when you have a real wealth in him, then the Christian is the one that has the resource to say, that's where my real wealth is. And you become unflappable. You should be unflappable because you have a new identity in him. There's, look, we'll talk more about that next week. But a piece of conscience, a piece of identity. We're going to look at how we get the resources to have a piece not in spite of the circumstances, a piece not from your circumstance, but a piece in spite of your circumstances. We'll look at that next week. But look, here's the Prince of Peace. He's come to bring you peace, just not peace as you know it. It's a combative peace, it's a wrestling peace, it's a polarizing peace. And so, what that means for you simply tonight is this if you're not sucking the Christmas Slurpee, if you're willing to look at some of the substance of it, if you're just checking out Christianity, uh, we're glad that you're here tonight. Um, I've just got to ask you, has he, has he polarized you? Like, I mean, it's, it's okay to be chuzzed, as my little sister would say. It's okay to be chuzzed at Jesus. It's okay to be angry at him. It's okay to push back, be repulsed by Jesus. Uh, as long as you've been polarized by him, you can't stand in the middle. If, you, if you've been polarized by Jesus, it's the best place to start. We'll talk about that next week. But Christian, it means for us also... Um, if we're seeing the real Jesus, then uh, why is it that you and I can be so moderate at times? That's, that's my inner conflict, is that um, I've just, I'm, I'm so middle of the road most of the time. <laughs> and so for me, the, the, the great thing I need at Christmas is not, not information. I studied this thing at Bible college for three years. I don't need more information. I need greater revelation. I need to see him more clearly. I need to be stopped so in the middle with this guy. Let him push me to the edge. Be, be more ex- extreme for him. Be more um, pushed by, conflicted by him in my life. Is that, is that, is that true of you tonight, Christian? Because he says that I've, um, I, here is the baby, as Simeon said, that has come to divide, to come to set the world at, at either sides of the spectrum, but one who has come to bring us a peace. And in a peace, yes, but the sort of healing peace, the antiseptic peace, it's got to sting a little bit. Christianity has to cause you a few problems before it heals you. Let it stir you up this week, I pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.